I'm Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, normally we'd be doing our June movie preview, but since there's no movies to preview, we'll look back on some of our favorite summer blockbusters, specifically disaster movies. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. I dove back into the Butlerverse this week, and it was not good. I'll tell you about A Family Man. I don't think I've ever even heard of that movie, so I'm looking forward to hearing about that. And hey, there's some good stuff coming to streaming this week, especially for you, Jeff. Details on that coming up on the Couch Potatoes. There is a mystery. Elusive. Unpredictable. Violent. It terrifies most scientists. But for a new breed, the challenge is saving lives. The research is deadly. The laboratory is nature itself. And potentially uh, could be a storm that has a wind in excess. Do you remember that? In case you're not sure what it is, this next clip is about to make it more clear. It comes from one of my favorite things on YouTube. It's called Honest Trailers. Screen Junkies takes a movie, they make an honest trailer, where they lovingly tear the movie to shreds and celebrate everything that's wrong and or stupid about it. And this week... Before event movies were all based on comic books, and Tom Cruise had to cheat death to get butts in seats, one genre dominated the 90s cineplex like no other. Erotic thrillers. Oh, yeah. And also, disaster movies. But only one of them will put you deep inside the suck zone. The suck zone. Twister. It's a sucks Yes, Twister from 1996, starring the late Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt as storm chasers who are in the process of getting a divorce. In a moment, we're going to talk about some of our favorite disaster movies overall. But before that, some more of the honest trailer. Bill is trying to leave the stormy life behind, but also leave his fiance behind any chance he gets. Why don't you uh, hang out here for a little while and I'll, I'll be right back. Listen, I'm going to hang out here and get some air. Why don't you, why don't you go get us some cold drinks? Once we can up with him you take the truck and head home i'm going back good good that's one of the great things about these honest trailers they take you back to these movies you love and they just point out how silly they are and they help you look at them in a brand new light and even if the things that make the movie silly are the things that make the movie strap in for one of the biggest action juggernauts of 1996 A movie that largely consists of people driving toward a storm, then immediately yelling, get out of there, once they get close. Get out of there! Get us out of here. We gotta get out of here now! Let's go! Get out of there! were chasing it. What did you think was going to happen? And I particularly liked how they compiled all the various examples of meteorology slang. It's fatty time. Going green. Green. It's only a sector scan on that cell. Keep looking for a hook. Throw these planners. What are my dew points doing? The battle zone should be northeast of 81. Rotation is increasing. Shear is 90 knots. 50 outbound, 40 inbound. We're running into the flanking line. Okay, we got sisters. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a sidewinder. We got a jumper here. Upflow. Belcher, we have upflow. They're going to punch the core. The cone of silence. Gate to gate. Velocities are maxed out. Those are just down drafts and microbursts. They're in the barricades! Yeah, and uh, don't forget to flip-flop the doozle knob when you're going to tip the phalange. And finally, if you've never watched an Honest Trailer, make sure to watch 
to the end because the deep-voiced narrator reads YouTube comments where people say, hey, say this, say that. So, Jeff, this week you had a couple of things that were tailor-made just for you. Troy and Abed in the morning. Baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. And, Jeff, what were those shows? I cheered when I heard that guy reading those. Uh, the first one was from Community, and the second one, of course, is the end theme song from Frasier. Okay, so that's good. I'm glad that you were able to enjoy that. When I was watching it, I thought, oh, man, I hope Jeff sees this video <laughs> uh, because it was made just for him. Twister yeah. was a huge movie in 1996, $241 million domestic, $494 million worldwide. That is a big haul for 1996. It finished second only to Independence Day, which had a, a massive year, $306 million domestic 817 million worldwide would independence day jeff be considered a disaster movie it certainly would if you lived in one of those buildings that got blowed up real good at the (laughs) beginning of that movie for sure it counts okay well let's count it oh another cool thing about twister it features the song humans being by van halen and it comes with an awesome orchestral intro Here we go. That might still be one of my favorite Van Halen songs of all time. Twister did not get the best reviews. 57% on Rotten Tomatoes, but I don't care. I love Twister. I was so excited to see this on the big screen, and I was very pleased. It's a big, silly movie, but it's just so entertaining. It sounds amazing, too. If you've got surround sound, Twister is a killer movie to show it off. I used to put this movie on just to show off to my friends, be like, hey, my dad's got an awesome stereo. This is the kind of movie, though, where you have to, you have to turn off the nitpick part of your brain and just enjoy it. Uh, it's directed by Jan de Bont, who also directed Speed. Twister takes a terrifying subject, tornadoes, and turns it into a fun, adventurous movie. And yes, hey, there is a lot to nitpick. Here's an example. There's one scene where they're driving up a highway waiting for a tornado to appear. And they panned back and forth between the sky and the car four times. And every time, every time, the sky looked completely different. Like, no (laughs) continuity whatsoever. There are just a lot of stupid things like that in this movie. But I try not to worry about it because it's just so much damn fun. I mean, how can you not enjoy a movie with flying cows? And despite the minimal story, the movie crams in, uh, like, a bunch of really cool characters played by Iris respectable supporting cast like Carrie Elwes, he plays the villain, Alan Ruck, Jamie Gertz, and as an oafish, lovable dude, Philip Seymour Hoffman. And the Honest trailer pokes fun at Jack Black, saying every role of his career is modeled after Hoffman's role in Twister, which the movie is not trying to appease your highbrow sensibilities. It is the pinnacle of summer popcorn movies with good characters. It had great special effects at the time. I'm curious to know how well they hold up. It's been a while since I've watched this movie, but watching the trailer and the Honest trailer, I thought the the effects, even though obviously not perfect by today's standards still look pretty cool so if i was picking my favorite disaster movie jeff it's got to be twister i think the effects the tornado effects are probably pretty good i like 
the, the cow flying by, that always looks silly. Yeah. I got a, a huge laugh in the theater at the time. But I'm with you on that, man. When that first came out, it blew my mind. My jaw just dropped the whole two hours we were in the theater. And uh, I, this is when I was in college, and we were walking out, and we had this one buddy who just ragged on every movie we went to see, and he just like, oh, that was terrible. And we all just started screaming at him, no, oh, it was awesome, you're an idiot. So... But exactly, it's like you got to turn off your brain a little bit to go into Sea Twister. Uh, I made a list of a bunch of of disaster type movies that I really like, and I'll start with this one. I just watched it for the first time like two months ago. George Clooney and Marky Mark on a boat that gets caught in the perfect storm. In the fall of 1991, the Andrea Gale left Gloucester, Massachusetts, and headed for the fishing grounds of the North Atlantic. Two weeks later, an event took place that had never occurred in recorded history. The Perfect Storm is one of my dad's favorite books, by the way. He says the book's better than the movie. Always is. Clooney plays the fishing boat captain, and after a crappy run, decides to head out one more time before the season's over. He and his crew head for a spot that's considered dangerous, but also said to have a lot of fish. He needs the fish. Off they go. Sure enough, they get caught in that spot where these two hurricanes collide. It's based on a true story. There are some Hall of Fame bad Boston accents in this one, which is a bit of a pet peeve of mine, but it's still pretty gripping. A small boat in distress in the big ocean is always very dramatic. You're just so isolated out there. And it's sort of the opposite of a lot of other disaster movies of the last 20, 25 years. There's not a lot of massive destruction, mostly just a couple of small boats that get tossed around. But it maybe is more effective because the stakes and the damage are kind of reality size and we can relate with them more so the perfect storm is a pretty good disaster movie right there. Um, we were talking about the Independence Day briefly a few moments ago, whether aliens count. I say they do count because they can, you know, destroy a lot of uh, your surroundings just as much as a natural event could. So there's this underrated whopper of a disaster movie from Steven Spielberg and Tom Cruise that I really like. It's called War of the Worlds. Rachel, want to see something cool? Where's the thunder? Hear that? What's happening? Stay together. Is it over? There was a famous radio play from Orson Welles eons ago, which was based on the famous book from H.G. Wells, so sort of makes sense to have a famous movie from Steven Spielberg and Tom Cruise. Cruise plays a family man, a divorced family man as it happens, and the alien attack happens while he has his kids for the weekend. It's basically them running from danger for two straight hours, and it's all from their point of view. The alien stuff is happening to them, but we never hang out with the aliens or the government or scientists or whoever's actually trying to do something about it. Just the panic of Joe Sixpack and 
and his kids as they try not to get killed by the aliens and by other people who are also panicking. There's a scene near the end that always gets on my nerves, though, when they're stuck in Tim Robbins' house and the little alien thing flies in and it's hunting them around this house the same way that the raptors hunt those kids in the kitchen in Jurassic Park, which would be a lovely homage to Jurassic Park if both movies weren't directed by the same guy. I don't think you can make an homage to yourself, Mr. Spielberg. But still, it's a fun, exciting movie. Check out War of the Worlds if you've never seen it or if it's been a long time. You know, there's another director who you, who sometimes uses his own techniques or the same sort of shots in different movies, and that's director Michael Bay. And in fact, I see you've got a Michael Bay selection coming up, so we'll get to that in a moment as we talk about our favorite disaster movies. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. We're talking about our favorite disaster movies. We were talking about Twister at the beginning, and then we also talked a little bit about Independence Day, The Perfect Storm, and War of the Worlds. And now we're moving on to one of the biggest ones of all time. Michael Bay blew out the back of the theaters in 1998 with this behemoth of a disaster movie, Armageddon. The entire world is watching the game. Someone should be watching the sky. It's a meteor shower. How big were those? The size of basketballs. This new one you're tracking. How big? It's the size of Texas, Mr. President. July 1st. Are you suggesting that we nuke this thing from the inside? We bring in the world's best deep core driller. Nothing can prepare you. Promise me that you are going to come back. I promise, Grace. For the event that will rock the world. Beat me up, Scotty. This is who you found to save the planet. Bruce Willis. Billy Bob Thornton. Liv Tyler. Ben Affleck. Will Patton. And Steve Buscemi. We don't get this done, nobody else will. That movie came out in the summer of 98 and melted our brains. It wasn't Michael Bay's first movie, but it was his first spectacle for the sake of spectacle type movie. Even now, it's kind of dizzying watching how much stuff he throws on the screen at once. It never sits still long enough for you to wrap your brain around what's going on, really, which is good because the story, of course, is ludicrous. Bruce Willis and his oil drilling friends are shot into space to drill into a killer asteroid, drop a nuke in it, and blow it up. It's also two and a half hours long, and even if you mock the part that deserve mocking, and there are many, you will still cry at the end of this movie, I know, because I watched it again three weeks ago and cried again. Uh, I don't think I'll ever call it a good movie, Brett, but it knows what it is, it achieves all of its goals, and it also sort of became the standard bearer for the next 20 years when it comes to these kind of big disaster movies. Yeah, when Armageddon first came out, I remember sitting in, and it was just when, I think it was the first movie I saw... At uh, Silver City, at a, at one of the, the the upgraded Cineplex theaters that had the bigger screens and the stadium uh, seating, and when the, that opening scene where it's you're just sort of looking into space, I remember just being gobsmacked at just looking at the stars and that's how big this movie is it has that effect and upon repeated viewings there are some things in this movie that just make me insanely angry like why do they have a machine gun a turret machine gun on an asteroid like are they expecting martians to come get them it's just it's so so dumb but yeah this movie is super fun i can't help but enjoy it and uh i should also point out 
And uh, we'll get to your next one, uh, your next couple of, of uh, disaster movies, I think, in our next segment. But uh, I never saw Deep Impact. Did you see Deep Impact? I watched that uh, for the first time ever. Uh, I, I don't I'm in the past year at some point. It's very different from Armageddon. It, it's kind of unfair that they're sort of always hand in hand with each other. I guess there's both killer asteroids in both, but and they came out two months apart. Yeah, but Deep Impact is set almost entirely on. You know, on Earth, and Armageddon is set almost entirely in space or in mission control. Okay, well, yeah. So I'm, I've never seen Deep Impact, but as it turns out, and thanks to, the, I keep this app that you found, this Just Watch app, is amazing. Yeah. If you because if you ever want to know where to find something, like oh, do I have access to this? Just I typed in Deep Impact, and sure enough, it's on Prime Video. So, yeah. And. The good thing about that app, too, is it's it knows where you are, i.e. it knows we're in Canada. So when it says Netflix, you can believe it because it's based on Canadian Netflix, not American Netflix, which has often, you know, been the bane of my existence before this because you think you hear it's on Netflix and it's like, oh, no, it's just on American Netflix. Okay, right on. Well, hey, we're actually going to make two stops to the Butlerverse today. We'll explain <laughs> why with stop one next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. We're talking about our favorite disaster movies this week, and we've got a couple more we want to get to before we move on to other things. And one of the more fun disaster movies of recent years comes courtesy Gerard Butler, who stars in Geostorm. Something is wrong with the weather satellites. Afghanistan? Hong Kong. This isn't a malfunction. We need to find out who's behind this. Geostorm, only in cinemas. Geostorm asks the question, what if all the disaster movies happened at the same time? Tornadoes and tidal waves and sudden drops in temperatures to minus a thousand, everything you can imagine all over the world. The premise is that climate change was destroying the livability of Earth, so scientist Gerard Butler builds a satellite array that can control the weather. However, it seems someone is hacked in or something and is using it for evil, and Butler has to solve the case. He's in space working on the machine. His brother's back on Earth helping out at the White House. Also, the president becomes involved. He's played by Andy Garcia, of all people. I saw this one in theater. My buddy and I sort of went to laugh at how dumb it is, and we were not disappointed. We had a great time at the movie's expense. Now, there is a lot of cool spectacle to watch, is why I put it on the list. It's almost, it's so much, you know, that it doesn't really register as being reality because when they destroy that much it's kind of ineffective it's that overkill where your brain just says well there's no way all of that could happen at once so that's just fake it is cool to watch though and of course it's always worth to watch jerry butts chewing the scenery we're gonna talk about another gerard butler movie in a few minutes but the best disaster movie save the best for last for me it's one of mankind's greatest fails it's titanic
Yes, the dialogue is bad, but Titanic's got it where it counts. I used to really not like the movie, but it grows on me more and more every time I see it. And even though there's a lot of cringy stuff in the first half, it is worth sitting through to get to that second half. I would say that from the time the little string quartet takes its place on the deck, music to drown by, of course, and all the way from there until the end, it's just a flat-out masterpiece. The wide shots are what get me every time, when they're showing the size of the boat that is literally cracking in half. And they also give you an appreciation of just how isolated the Titanic was at the time when there's this huge wide shot where it's just like a speck in the ocean. That's always the scary thing about the ocean to me. You're too far away from anything or anyone to come help you if you need it. Getting off the boat was one thing and getting out of the water was another. The director, James Cameron, puts you right there through all of it in the action. You really feel the boat going down. And by the by then, you've actually come to care about some of the characters. Of course, there's always some you don't mind seeing going down with the ship every time, Brett. Yeah, you know what? After listening to you say that, I now need to get my hands on Titanic. I'm going to watch Deep Impact on Prime Video, and then I'll figure out how I can watch Titanic. But a couple of things about Titanic... One of my favorite parts of that movie. And I know Billy Zane, actor Billy Zane, he, I think, was criticized for his performance in Titanic because he was very hammy and sort of chewing yeah. the, the scenery. But I loved it. I love it when he <laughs> when he grabs Leonardo DiCaprio and says, Look at me, you filth! It just makes me howl with laughter. He was so over the top. Yeah. And uh, But my experience going to see Titanic at the movies was fun because I chose to do it on Valentine's Day, because Oof. it had just come out a couple of months before, but I knew that every other guy would be taking their, their girl to see Titanic, because the movie was so huge at the time. So not only... So at first I had to go to the movie theater when the box office opened, and when I got there, there were already like 100 guys in front of me waiting to buy tickets. So I was in line for an hour just to get a ticket, because they didn't have those self-serve ticket booths. There were two people uh, selling tickets, so we had to wait while they went through that whole line. And then when I went back, this was before reserved seating, so we had to get to the movie like 90 minutes early just (laughs) to make sure that we didn't get a garbage seat, because there's no way I'm sitting in the front row for a movie that long. Right. So that was a long day. But, uh, yeah, I guess it, you could say it paid off in the end. But, yeah, great great choices, Jeff. I mean, uh, you know, we can't cover all of them. Uh, 2012 is another good one. The Day After Tomorrow. Both of those are stupid, but they're fun. Like, that's the thing about disaster movies. They don't have to be intelligent. They're just, they're meant to be popcorn movies. In the case of Titanic, of course, it's one of, you know, it's such a great tragedy, but it's also a great film. Yeah. So good choices, and man, good choices. And there's a real, you can draw a line, there's the cluster that we've covered here that started in 96 with Twister and Independence Day, and then you've Titanic in 97 and Armageddon in 98, and if that didn't shape blockbuster movies up until Iron Man came along, I don't know what did, you know? Good point, good point. And the Honest Trailer also pointed out, you know, before event movies were all about comic books, this is what an event movie was. So, yeah, yep. man, I, I've got a long list of movies I, I feel like I'm going to be spending the next few weeks watching here, <laughs> uh, especially, and I can't wait to watch Twister again. Yeah. Okay. You went back okay. to the Butlerverse a second time this, or for another time this week, I guess. Yeah, of course, that is the cinematic canon of Master Thespian Gerard Butler, <laughs> a.k.a. Jerry Butts. This week, I watched a movie you said you'd never heard of it i'd never heard of it before either it's from 2016 it's called a family man i am a headhunter the purest form of salesman which one of you getting an interview today 
This job is a desk, a phone, a chair, and your ass. I'll announce the new general manager the first of the year. One of you will get the job. I'm a damn American hero. You did not just call yourself an American hero. Now, this is not the worst mode for Jerry Butts, but it's close. He's best in action movies because there's more yelling than talking. He's worst in rom-coms because he isn't really an actor that has chemistry with other actors. And A Family Man is more of a straight-up drama. He plays Dane Jensen, this corporate headhunter, husband, and father of three, I think. Maybe two two for sure. There might have been a baby. I can't remember. I watched a movie two days ago. I already forget. Anyways, as we often see in movies, he's much more interested in his job than his family. And then there's a medical crisis within the family. And maybe, just maybe, Dane will learn how to be a family man. That's the story in a nutshell. Gretchen Maul, remember her, plays his wife. Willem Dafoe plays the boss. Alison Brie is a rival co-worker. And Alfred Molina plays one of his clients. And let's take a look at his job. He's a headhunter, as was the writer of the movie. And if you don't know what that is he's tasked with finding jobs for people or finding employees for companies he seems to be doing both and i guess it's supposed to be high-end jobs because he gets this substantial fee for making a match he's relentless he's driven he's all consumed by his work he's supposed to be a charming smooth talker type mission not accomplished there's a whole bunch of jargon and he's making stuff up on the phone to try to schmooze his clients the movie wants it to come off like those fun wall street scenes in the wolf of wall street but it is not effective in this movie. Butler strains so to get those lines out. You can see him thinking about what the next words will be, which again is not what you want in a proper movie, but it's still sort of entertaining as unintentional comedy. His boss, Willem Dafoe, demands a lot from his employees, like a ridiculous like, why isn't everyone working on Thanksgiving? He also has a couple of moments late in the game that don't make sense. I for whatever reason, I, I feel like I must shield you from spoilers. But he makes this one move that'll have you going, wait, what? And then there's a reveal 10 minutes later that makes you roll your eyes and like, oh, that's what he was doing. And if you really drill down into what he's done and how he's gone about it, you'll drive yourself insane because it makes no sense whatsoever. It's only there to trick the audience. Defoe, though, is retiring. He says whoever makes the most money for the company the rest of the year between Jerry Butts and Alison Brie will get to be boss when he leaves. And so you can imagine Imagine the strain that that puts on uh, Gerard Butler's home life and how the timing is especially bad with the family medical crisis. It's all very patent by the numbers. There aren't any real surprises story-wise, but it's also effective in places. I cried a couple of times, so... Good for you, Gerard Butler. You got me. It also looks really good. There's this subplot about Chicago architecture, and they do a great job shooting it. It's very pretty. Now, I'm starting to feel like a prude because I know I complained about this last week when we were talking about the Netflix show Space Force, but there's a lot of unnecessary cursing in this movie. There's this post-coital scene that involves a discussion <laughs> and a hand gesture that made my jaw drop red. It's, it's near the beginning, I think, in the first 10 or 15 minutes. So maybe even if you don't want to watch this movie, but you want to see something crazy, go watch that bedroom scene with uh, Gerard Butler and Gretchen Mull. There's no good reason for the swearing at all. It's, it's actually distracting because the story doesn't call for it, like a cop movie or a, a drama about lovers or any other movie that features adult subject matter. Then it you know, makes sense for swearing in those movies. This is about a guy, his office job, and his family. You can pg 
13 it and no one will mind. Um, to be fair, it's not like this movie would be interesting for kids, so I don't think they really lost a bunch of audience that way anyway. And I don't think it had much of an audience, Brett. Neither of us had heard of it. I couldn't find any North American box office numbers, so I think it must have gone straight to video. There's not much of an online footprint for this movie at all. It did play in some theaters around the world, taking in less than $2 million. Uh, it is on Netflix right now. If you want to watch it, I can't really say that I recommend it, though. Two and a half couch cushions out of five for a family man. Yeah. That, how did you even stumble upon this? Like, were you Googling? Oh, I just type in Gerard Butler into my Netflix thing and it pops up. Have you watched about- 300 yet? No, nope. I'm saving it for the end. The Like the end of the Butler verse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the end of the Butler rainbow for you is 300. Oh, might as well end with a good one, right? Well, okay, that's 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 fair. Get through the crappy ones, and then <laughs> I I really admire your commitment to watching all these movies for a guy that you don't really like. <laughs> I know, but uh, there's just something about him that I find that he makes me laugh. But again, he doesn't intend to make me laugh, but he does make me laugh. Why don't you just and admit you like him? Geostorm is sort of the high point. That Den of Thieves, though, is like, you, you should watch that because you've been watching heist stuff. And it's a, the heist part of it is really good. And it's also some of Jerry Butts' best scenery chewing. Okay. It's amazing. All right. I will put that on my list. Up next, we're <laughs> going to tell you what is coming to home video as well as what's new on streaming this week. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Bretton taking a look at what you can watch this week on a couple of different platforms. First on home video on Blu-ray DVD on Tuesday, it's The Hunt. Warning. What is all of this? They're hunting us. You better start running. On March 13th, hunting season begins. It's just for sport. At the Manor. Rich people scooping people up off the streets and then hunting them in the woods. Yikes. Starring Betty Gilpin, Hilary Swank, Ike Barinholtz, and Amy Madigan, co-written by Damon Lindelof. It was in theaters March 13th, which, of course, was the last weekend theaters were open. It made about $5 million in North America. And then everything was gone, and it's been on uh, digital since then. Quickly it went there, I think, eh, Brett? And now it's on Blu-ray on Tuesday. I thought it came out, like it quickly transitioned to digital, but it looks like it wasn't released digitally until May... uh, like May 26th, so just oh, recently. Okay. Um, but I guess it's just because the I got confused because it just came out in theaters in March, and there was I don't want to say there wasn't su- there was such a big deal, but there was some controversy about this movie because it pits uh, conservatives against liberals, and uh, you know they were they're actually shooting each other, and people thought it was too violent and too political, and Donald Trump spoke out about it, and whatever. Uh, it looks yeah. I think it looks fun. Fifty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Before I forget to mention this, I, I made such a big deal about Twister earlier in the show and pointed out where you could watch some things, but I failed to mention where Twister can be watched. That is available on Crave. If you've got Crave, uh, you can stream that on demand there. And uh, again, if you want to find out where any of this other stuff is, just check out this Just Watch app. It will tell you everything you need to know. In terms of streaming this week, I first just wanted, wanted to quickly touch uh, back on Space Force. It has always been my dream to start something from the ground up. But space is hard. May I suggest that that become the new Space Force motto? 
So last week we we both I think gave it kind of lukewarm reviews. You know, I had yep. tweeted about it at Brett McGarry saying I dig it, and then I my feelings on it started to change. I'd only watched three episodes as of last week. This week I've, I'm now through six, and I'm finding I'm starting to warm up to it. Like I started off liking it, or I think I at least wanted to like it, uh, and and then I didn't. But and now I'm going back the other way. I, did you keep going with it? No, I'm still stuck on two because I've only been watching Cheers lately. Oh, that's right. Oh, and that's right. I'd only watched two episodes, I think, as of last week. Now I'm through six. So I'm going to finish it. John Malkovich is the best part of Space Force, hands yeah. down. Uh, new on Netflix and on Crave, there's a bunch of cool stuff here coming. So I wanted to point this out because, Jeff, as of <gasps> this past Wednesday on Netflix. Yes. This is a world that doesn't play by your rules. friends are a part of it now i don't have friends i got family there it is jeff all of the fast and furious movies are now available on netflix canada (laughs) salut ma familia uh here's the quick rankings brett it goes seven five eight six one four three two all right all right don't watch the second one it's terrible you spat that out like it was your pin I know that I just oh, now I got to change my pin. Thanks for that. Hey. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's also something called uh, Fast and Furious Spy Racers. Maybe that's been there for a while. It's like a cartoon. Didn't know oh. what that was. Uh, so that was out on Wednesday. Fuller House, the farewell season actually, that actually debuted this past Tuesday, and this weekend, uh, Thirteen Reasons Why season four is available as of season five of Queer Eye, and this is cool. Figured I should mention this coming up on Tuesday, June 9th, uh, All three seasons of Hannibal are going to oh. be available. So that's Watch it, people. Yeah, it's so good, so good. And then uh, seasons 9 and 10 of Modern Family will also be available on June 9th. And then on Crave, there's some new stuff. Season 3 of Killing Eve, the critically acclaimed award-winning series Killing Eve, will be available on Crave uh, as of this weekend. One of your favorite movies, Lady Bird? Yep. That's going to be available. Uh, Fight Club is going to be available through streaming if you want to revisit that. Babe and Babe Pig in the City will be available too so some good stuff coming to streaming this week yeah. and uh but i i have so much stuff to watch now my god i want to watch hannibal again i want to watch all those disaster movies and i still need to get caught up on modern family but you're going to be buried in uh your blu-rays of cheers so two-thirds of the way through season eight of 11 right now 42 days 187 episodes so far averaging four and a half episodes a day Brent. You are committed. I respect your dedication, Jeff Braun. And that's all the time we have. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you're listening to this on the radio. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.